It's August 27th, 2013, and this is the iDeveloper Podcast, episode 91. Oh, howdy, John. How are you doing? I'm Dandy. You know, Scotty, it's been 90 wonderful episodes with you. Oh, John. I've been away on vacation for a few weeks. I thought you'd have come up with something slightly better than that with the time you've had, but never mind. No, what, what it means is that I haven't cared enough to come up with anything better than that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that sort of makes sense. Uh, before we get going, let's introduce uh, our friend on the line, Andre Butov. How are you doing, Andre? I'm well, thank you. Okay, um, we'll get you to tell us a little bit more uh, about yourself in a minute, but just tell us where you are right now. I'm in uh, Long Island, New York. We are so... It's uh, Nassau County, Suffolk Na- County. Nassau. Okay, Hampstead. Levittown. Levittown. I'm, I'm right. in Levittown, the first suburb of the United States. Absolutely. Historic. I have no idea where that is, but there we are. Never mind. <laughs> I know where New York and New York State is, so I'm guessing it's somewhere around there. Uh, okay. Right. No, so- I'm about 40, 45 minutes uh, east of Manhattan. And oh. it resembles the, 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 the toilet handle. Yeah, <laughs> of New York State. Sorry, oh, that must make I you. I grew up on. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to make fun of it. That must make you so proud. Um, okay. Um, right. I've been on vacation for a couple of weeks. Um, I've not really been paying any attention to the world around me. Um, for all I know, Tim Cook could now be president of the universe. Apple could have been sold to Oracle, and. Um, you know, the world is about to come to an end. So has anything happened while I've been away, John, or has the world just well, closed, closed down in no, respect? No, it, 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 no, it's surprising, Scotty. I, I, I can't believe you haven't heard anything. So Tim Tim Cook is now the, the CEO of Microsoft, and uh, Scott Fortall, Sporstall has returned to Apple to, to become CEO, and he's, he's, he's fired Johnny Ive. Um, skeuomorphism is back with a vengeance. They decided to to bail on on the new iPhone you know, 6. Um and uh, they, Windows is going to be the operating system for, for future Macs, which are going back to PowerPC. That's what happened while you were gone. Oh, well, I guess I better read some of the blogs then and see, see how all that happened. So really nothing has happened while I've been away then. <laughs> no, I mean, nothing. I mean, in the world of tech, the important things are, are you know, the Bradley, uh, sorry, Chelsea Manning uh, is, is in prison for 35 years and Edward Snowden is, is, has been pursued there's, they, they, we should replace all news of spying to, to basically only report news of something that's discovered not to have been spied upon. Yeah, that's got a whole bunch of interesting stuff uh, opening up there, isn't it? But that, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. So I guess that is beyond the scope. Of this better podcast. not get in there. Andre, have you seen anything going on in the last couple of weeks that maybe anybody would like to care about or know about? Uh, I'm still trying to imagine Larry Ellison in charge of Apple. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That would be fun. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've been kind of, um, you know, head down in the keyboard working away, as I have been for the past years and years and eight years. I don't know anything. I don't I, I don't take vacations. I don't read the news. I just sit on Twitter and complain. Mm, good. Yeah. Now, if anyone uh, anyone who um, listens to your podcast, Bootstrapped, would, would just know that that is actually very true. <laughs> <laughs> You've not just made that up. <laughs> Each week, um, yeah, yeah, he'd ask, yeah, what have you been up to this week? And, well, nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much how it goes. It's, it's uh, 24 hours a day of no rest, doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's tough. 
John, you're speaking at a conference. That's happened while I was away. I know. I got invited to, to, to join the party. It's going to be quite the party at, at the Objective-C Cologne conference, which is coming up on September 17th and 18th. And not only do I get to speak, um, but you're speaking, and Mike Lee is speaking, and, and Otwin Gens is speaking, and, and Rainer Brockerhoff, a whole bunch of, of, of people, old familiar faces and some new people that I've not heard speak before who, or, and, and whom I don't know. So I'm very much looking forward to it in sunny, perfect Cologne. Have you ever been to Cologne? No, I haven't, but I've, I've read a little bit about it, and I understand in addition to the, the, the beautiful cathedral, there's a particular type of beer, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but it sounds like it's pronounced Kosh, and it, it, it comes in these very kind of uh, narrow, uh, tall glasses, and you go there, and they just pop it down, and you know uh, you, they just keep refilling it until you put the coaster up to indicate that you've had enough, and then they, they add up the tick marks, and off you go, but it has a particularly nice flavor, and I'm hoping to, to have some of that. What if by the time you're ready to put the coaster up, you're too drunk to put the coaster up? They just drown you in this stuff? Probably. I think that what they do is they, they tip the half-empty ones over somewhere else and tell you to get <laughs> Yeah, that, that no. just sounds like normal Germany to me. No, I've never been to Cologne either, but I've heard it's beautiful, and I'm looking forward to being there. I'm looking forward to speaking at the conference, um, OBCGN. Ob if you want to go check it out on Twitter, check it out on the... Um, on the internet, uh, there are some tickets left, I think, so people can still come along in and uh, wallow in our glory. It should be good. What are you speaking on, Scotty? I am speaking on um, developing digital communities. An important topic, and I believe Mike is speaking about high-performance UI kit, and I'm particularly interested in, in seeing that um, because I was I was almost shocked to to, to learn that that uh, you know the the lemurs chemistry was all. All UI kit and, and did drop down to the uh, you know uh, OpenGL layer directly. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he did that. Yeah, and what I love about this conference, it's it's primarily European speakers, um, but it's all people who are just working on this stuff day in day out. They may not be pro speakers as such, but you know they're guys who've got good communication skills and they've got a lot of knowledge. And um, it's just great to geek out for a couple of days, isn't it? Just to hang out in. Um, I'm not sure how many people are going to be there. I think probably. I'm not sure. It's not a huge conference. It's a typical European conference, uh, maybe 100 or so, 200, I don't know exactly. But just hanging out with that sort of number of people who all do the same sort of things you do just for 48 hours and, you know, no one's going to say you're being boring because you're talking about this or you're boring because you're talking about that and you can just uh, have a few beers. It's 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 a great, great thing um, to do, conferencing and whatever. Um, and it's... Uh, um, yeah, so if you got that time free and you can uh, come along, then get online, get yourself a ticket, and we will see you there. All right. So, Scotty, tell us all about Andre. Andre, tell us all about yourself. Yeah, that's easier because he knows more about him than I do. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let Andre do it. <laughs> all right. How far back should I go? Um, all right. Back so I start. Parents' yeah. first date. What do you think was on their mind? Whose first date? I missed that. Your, your, your parents. Oh, oh, I don't know. I have to go steal a DeLorean first and find out. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess I started out on Wall Street after college, just writing training systems for bankers and got sick of that pretty quickly. And uh, I started my little company uh, sort of as a, as a consulting company, Antair sort of as a consulting company with one client, whoever it happened to be that I was working at full-time at the moment and um, and then got kind of sick of that and just decided to um, take sort of a, a sabbatical or something 
it was in between jobs, so I didn't actually leave a job and tell them I'll be back in a year. I just stopped looking for a new one. And uh, my wife said, okay, so take a break. So I took a break, and in the meantime, I was going around all these uh, forums looking at uh, different people who were sort of bootstrapping their companies. And back then it was the Jolan Software, Business of Software Forums. And all that stuff is very inspirational. So I thought, oh, hell, I could do something like this. So um, there was a couple of things that, that I put together initially. One was um, a toolbar for Internet Explorer and Firefox, uh, which um, printed pages um, without the ads and, and without all the distractions. And that was called printer-friendly. And uh, this was sort of sort of before. This was 2003, 2004. Um, and uh, so that sold nothing and then there was a couple of other things that sold nothing and it was mainly because I just kept writing stuff that I thought would be cool with no uh, no, no thought into what the market could be or anything like that and um, and then uh, I was I was kind of ready to go back to work already and I met with a friend and, and we talked about some products and um, the two I had in mind were uh, an Excel to PDF converter because my wife was also working on Wall Street and I was like as a quant and one of the things she was doing all day was um, getting all of these uh, PDF uh, reports from somewhere and she needed to stick them into Excel sheets to do some work on them so there was no good tool so she told me to make a PDF to Excel and vice versa, Excel to PDF converter. And the other was um, a BlackBerry spam filter, uh, which was uh, an idea because I had a BlackBerry at the time. Everybody has issued Blackberries, like ball and chain of Wall Street back then. And uh, kept getting constant spam. Um, and I thought, well, I could probably write something for, for this thing to get rid of the spam. And I didn't even know there was an API for it. There was no such thing as mobile market it was just blackberry and a couple of those you know dumb nokia phones in the world and that's it and uh, this was before apple came along uh so i thought all right so i'll, I'll try to knock something out in a, in, a, in a couple of days see if it works so i sat down on a friday and i kind of looked at the blackberry website and there was an api for it and it was all java j2me derivative even lower than that because they couldn't afford the space and the memory on those devices to even run a J2ME stack. So I put together a spam filter, kind of like half Bayesian, half heuristic, because you couldn't, the device wouldn't be fast enough to run a full Bayesian spam filter and it wouldn't be a large enough amount of memory to run a few, a full heuristic sort of hash table on there with terms and such. So I kind of, I kind of knocked out uh, a first version of that with no UI. It was just like a background service that ran on the BlackBerry. And all it did literally was when it decided that an incoming message is spam, it deleted it. And you couldn't see it and you couldn't get it back and you couldn't do anything with it. It just deleted it for you. And uh, I went on the one BlackBerry forum that was uh, uh, up at the time and I saw a bunch of threads that say, oh, I wish I'd get rid of the spam. Oh, I should get rid of the spam. So I chimed in and I said, look, I built this thing. Here you go. And I priced it at 50 bucks. Um, I don't know why I priced it at 50 bucks. I, I, I certainly wasn't in the mindset back then that, you know, I, uh, mobile apps should be priced at a dollar like it is now. I just priced it at 50 bucks because everything back then was either like 14.95 or 19.95 or 49.95, so whatever. And it started selling. And um, it kind of grew from there. And 
I quit my job and uh, some time passed and it kept growing and we got some employees and we opened up an office in, um, in Brooklyn and kind of grew a little bit more and, and um, we did a whole bunch of other BlackBerry apps and um, we did a bunch of games for the BlackBerry. Back then we worked with uh, um, the uh, Chilingo is now like a big player in the iOS space as a publisher for iOS games. Um, back then they were doing uh, BlackBerry games so they published a couple of things for us there were just a couple of guys in, the, in an office back then i think they're bought out by ea since then and um and then 2007 or whatever it was ios came out and ate our lunch and killed us completely within like a month and there was um we were revving up in an office and employees at the same time that Apple was releasing the iPhone. And uh, Gavin Bowman, uh, he's now uh, doing iOS games at uh, Retro Dreamer. Um, he was working with me at the time. And he, he kept saying, we should do something for this, uh, for this iOS thing. And this was before the first, uh, the App Store opened, the first you know major uh, opening weekend when like the fart apps made $10 million. Um, so he said, we should do something for the iOS thing. And, and me and my infinite wisdom said, no, it's just a fad. Let's just keep doing the BlackBerry stuff that's making us money. And we totally had the runway and the time to do really good ports of like our BlackBerry games and, and stuff to the iOS. And I decided whatever. So that was the, the turnaround idiotic business decision. So, of course, iOS came about. Half our customers left from BlackBerry to iOS, and that killed us. So I wound up uh, getting rid of the office and letting go of all the employees and sort of starting over again. Um, we still had the BlackBerry spam filter, which a, a good decision that I made eventually was I converted from as a one-off uh, $49 uh, license, just a one-off regular software sale, to our a subscription model to where it's $40 a year. And that was sort of the one thing that I did that kind of saved the company from going completely under because that recurring revenue sustained us for a while until we were able to sort of get, uh, re-bootstrap ourselves a second time up with uh, Android apps and iOS apps. And and uh, that's where we were up until, we also did some consulting work to stay afloat, and that's where we were up until about a month ago when we launched uh, this new thing called Uberdeck, which is our first sort of um, non-mobile app. It's a web app for mobile developers. Which is what we're here today to mainly speak about, but it's just good to know, you know, so this is your first sort of, you're calling it a web app for, for mobile developers, but you know, you're coming from a, a mobile background that's probably longer than almost any, you know, anyone else, because BlackBerry was virtually the only thing you could write for back before um, iOS in any way at all. What I did find interesting there is, is your move to subscription from... Um, uh, single purchase even on the fifty dollar mm-hmm. product because you know these days everyone is saying well how the heck can I make money from mobile um, and that whole how do I make turn my mobile app into a subscription app as opposed to just a one off app is still the still the raging debate right now. Yeah, well at the time it was it was both easy and difficult. It was easy because everything you had to do to, there was no app stores. So if you had to sell a mobile app, you had to sell it the same way that people were selling desktop apps, which is your own website. There was no 
payment processors, you could do one of those, um, you could do PayPal, of course, or you could do one of those, um, at the time there were um, shareit.com and there's a bunch of these um, uh, third-party payment processors that charge upwards of like 10% of the sale, and which is nothing compared to what the App Store is, is, is taking from you. But at the time it was a lot, especially compared to a merchant account that will hit you at 3%. Uh, so you had to build your own uh, sales pipes and and all of that stuff. So we all of that stuff we built on our own. So because we had all of that, and because um, BlackBerry didn't have an app store, um, you could sell all that stuff on your own website. So you didn't have to send your customer over to the Apple App Store, the Android App Store, or the BlackBerry App Store. You had the full capability to collect email addresses from your customers when they bought something from you, resell something to them through email marketing newsletters, um, charge whatever you want and and deliver the product through your own website. You could still deliver it over the air because if they visited your website through their BlackBerry, you could pick up that it's a mobile device and then send them the file and the BlackBerry was smart enough to say, oh, here's an installation file, I'll install it. So with all those things in place and if you add your own purchasing pipes in the background, you could run a regular business that really is no different from a desktop app that's being sold. There was there wasn't any special case business uh, tactics for mobile because mobile was no different than than desktop at the time. So so because of that, we were able to sort of leverage regular marketing techniques. You know, you, you do newsletters, you, you kind of do other things. You're you're able to even do AdWords because at a $50 product subscription or even one off, you could pay, you know, a 25 cents, 50 cents or click or whatever it is. And it's going to be worth it because they're going to pay you 50 bucks for that, for that purchase. Whereas now with the dollar or $2 apps, that's no longer a viable tactic. Uh, even if AdWords was viable as a, as a thing in itself. But, um, uh, so, so that's what sort of why we decided to build UberDeck was, was because, um, we got tired of, of literally having orders of magnitudes more customers now these days on mobile than we did at the time. Yet we're unable to do anything about um, sort of using marketing techniques or, or you know, uh, leveraging the same number of customers, the same customers for new apps because you can't collect the email addresses through the Apple App Store, the Google App Store, the BlackBerry App Store. You can't. You have a new app. At best, the, the, the existing customers will discover it if they happen to visit your update page for an old app and they happen to scroll to the bottom where it says other apps by this developer or whatever. So I, initially, I just decided to to write UberDeck to say, look, I want to be able to reach my existing app customers and I want to sell them my new apps. And that's not too much to ask. And, uh, you, you know, uh, I want to be in control of my own company again, not leave it up to, you know, it's a convenience and all to have Apple take 30% to host your app for you and whatever, but I want to be able to cross sell my own apps because I've been doing this for eight years and I know how to run my company better than Apple knows how to run my company. Okay, so, so you've uh, you've given us a tantalizing sort of nibble at the edge of what UberDeck is. We haven't, hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, um, I'm just going to quickly do the sponsor for the show because I'm terrible at remembering, so this seems like a good point for me to cut in. Hmm. And then we'll we'll dig in. So if you just want to start thinking through, you know, 
to give us next the sort of you know ten thousand foot view of what Uberdeck is, and then we'll start gradually narrowing down and down and down until we have every detail sucked from your body. Okay. <laughs> um, Roast. Yeah, yeah, that was fairly gross, but there we go. Um, okay, our sponsor again on this episode is Invasive Code. Our friends over at Invasive Code, um, they do iOS developer training. Um, so if you want to get into mobile app development, um, these are good guys to check out. Uh, their training classes are now ready for iOS 7, or as ready as it can be for iOS 7, excepting that there are changes always going on. Um, you will need to be a member of the um, developer program in order to go on an iOS 7 training class because everything's obviously NDA. But these guys run great training courses. They do an intensive five-day course uh, which goes from sort of beginning to end or you can do a beginner course for three days and then go back and do the advanced course for two days later on. Um, they run them in Europe. They run them in the States. The next uh, next uh, course is in Barcelona in Spain. Um, that's in on September. September the 16th, that one starts. October, they're in San Francisco. Um, there's a course in November in San Francisco. We're trying to sort out something here in the UK as well, coming up very soon, so keep an eye out for that. Um, what I love about these guys is, firstly, they spend a lot of their time doing consulting and writing apps, so they're not just trainers. They are developers who can also train. Um, their material is really high quality, but uh, you know, equally, they will never have more than 10 people in a training class. Um, which means you get really good access to the trainer, um, gives you a chance of sort of a, creating a sort of a group atmosphere in there that really works well. Seven hours of training every day, plus there's a couple of hours when they reopen the labs in the evening for you to go and sort of catch up with uh, the work you've been doing the day. You get the training material, they give you lunch, they give you coffee. Um, you get three months support after the course for stuff you're doing on. And in fact, they're fairly easy that if you have a question on something that they covered in the course, they cover that pretty well. You know, if you've been a customer, they, they look after you basically. These guys are really great guys. Uh, so if you're looking to get yourself or some friends or colleagues or people in your company trained in iOS, then uh, check out uh, training.invasivecode.com. And if you use uh, the coupon code IDEVTV-2013, then um, you can get 200 bucks off as well. So thanks to Jeppy and the gang at Invasive Code for being our sponsor again this week. Um, we still love you mightily. Uh, see, that was, that was wrong, John, wasn't it? should be invasive code, invasive code, invasive code. Everybody loves invasive, invasive code. code. There we are. That's better. We're back on form again. Right. <laughs> um, Andre, uh, give us the – you mentioned why you started looking at um, building Uberdeck and, and maybe a couple of things you're trying to achieve. Often when you set out to build something, what it ends up is slightly different. So give us the, the high-level view of Uberdeck so people know what it is we're talking about for the next 30 minutes or so. And then, you know, myself and John will just come in and ask you questions about certain parts of it and specifics as we go along. Okay. Um, so Uberdeck basically allows you, uh, as a mobile developer, to send campaigns, um, marketing campaigns to your mobile apps. Um, so right now you could send... Um, an image campaign, which is fairly typical to what you're probably used to seeing if you have, uh, if you have ever played a game or something on, on iOS, which is um, a pop-up um, image ad for something that if you touch, it opens up a URL or you could dismiss it. So you could send one of those to cross-sell your new apps to your existing customers, or you could send a text uh, a campaign, which is more meant to be for the sort of situation where 
um, you send out an update for one of your apps and you discover there's a bug in it and um, you're, you're, you're freaking out because your customers are about to start publishing a whole bunch of one-star reviews that you can't get rid of eventually and they'll kill your sales. And any update that you're going to publish to fix that bug is going to sit in the approval queue for a week. So text campaigns are sort of meant to uh, allow you to send a quick note to your existing customers <clears throat> for that app to say, look, we know you, you, you probably found this bug, but, um, you know, our patch is already on its way. So that is sort of appease them and, and keep them from impulsively give you that one-star rating. Of course, you could include a link to maybe another app of yours that you've temporarily made available for free to sort of soften the blow of this huge bug that you introduced in the, in the recent update. So, and, you know, of course, in the back end, Uberdeck gives you all those uh, statistics on how many people received your campaign, how many people opened it and clicked on it and whatnot. Uh, and that's it. And uh, from the onset, we wanted to uh, not do things the push way. So there's a lot of um, sort of similar services that um, expect you to set up push certificates with Apple or whatever. And, and, um, and then they send out push notifications and then those are limited to... You know, you have the alert and you have the, the little dialog box and you have the little badge or whatever. Um, Uberdeck doesn't use push, so you don't need to set anything up. And Uberdeck is not limited to those sort of three short burst things there. Uh, you could send out text campaigns of, uh, you know, uh, theoretically any size, but, you know, something rational. And you could send out uh, full screen um, images that will be formatted and displayed uh, uh, the best way possible for the given resolution of the device. Uh, so, so that's it. That's where Uberdeck. We've been using it for a while, sort of in our own apps, as a way, uh, as a way of uh, making more money from it. Uh, but um, we only recently decided to make it into a product and introduce it uh, for all the mobile developers because we found that it does indeed work in our own sales. And the benefit is that you don't need to um, uh, figure out a way of collecting email addresses from your uh, app customers and when you do send them a campaign to tell them look I have this brand new app you might want to check it out um, they're viewing your new app inside of your existing app which is sort of the place where you want to engage them not in an email somewhere that then relies on them having to click through and go into the iTunes link and then downloading that okay that's I mean that sounds really cool so first of all a um, couple of technical questions um, mm -hmm. or business questions so you have no trouble getting this past Apple and their rules and everything because you're avoiding all the push notifications There's, you've had no app store review problems with this in any way at all uh, not yet. I'm very sensitive to what you know. Apple wiggles and, and, and moves and turns with with their um, restrictions every couple of months, and you kind of have to pay attention to that. And when we were releasing it, uh, the latest one from Apple was that they were having concerns over um, uh, sort of uh, apps cross-selling other apps and in the in the, the cross-selling other vendors' apps inside of pop-ups, inside of uh, push notifications, or just pop-ups. But Uberdeck is sort of not. It's not a advertising network where you will show uh, where Rovio will show other people's apps inside of Angry Birds or something. It's it's sort of for you to be able to say, uh, "Hey, you like this app? Well, I have a brand new one. Here it is." Which is the same thing that Apple is sort of posting at the bottom of your um, vendor page to say, "Here are some of the other apps that this vendor has has has, has made." Um, so, but I'm I'm aware that. 
there may be a concern later on with Apple, and uh, you know that's something that we're gonna we're gonna keep track of and, and see if we could uh, take a look at uh, if fixing. But I I really didn't I, I I'm kind of positioning Uber Deck to where it's platform agnostic. So right now it's iOS and Android. Eventually it'll be for other things as well. So I don't especially in the early stages, I'm trying to make it so that there are no technical considerations that are bound to legal considerations. So the device has, the, the, the service has to be fairly agnostic when, when it comes to, to those type of things. So in the end, if Apple decides to do something that'll kill us, uh, we're more than likely uh, will be willing to take a hit on that side of the business rather than to change the service to to um, dance on Apple. Okay, that's, that's cool. Now you've you've spoken a couple of times. You've used the word campaign. Um, mm. You said you can have tax tech, tax. No one wants a tax campaign. A text campaign, um, or an, uh, which just sends text, or an image mm. campaign. Now, um, just help me to because you talk about campaigns a lot on the website as well. Just mm. help me to understand what is a campaign. Is a campaign a single message? Is it a series of messages? Is it a, a whole bunch of releases over time? What is it, what actually is a campaign in in your eyes? So I use a campaign because I sort of modeled it on after Campaign Monitor, which is a service that allows you to do the same thing with uh, email messages. And there's other similar ones, uh, Constant Contact and Mailchimp, or they all do things through email. So you, you send a marketing campaign, you send an email. Uh, notification to your customers and then they get an email message with some link to some new product of yours or some announcement or something. So uh, Uber Deck campaign is pretty much the same thing. So uh, let's say uh, you have a new app. So you go into, uh, you've integrated Uber Deck, the SDK for iOS, you integrated it into your app and your app is in the wild and you decide that you're going to make another app. And once you created that new app, you would like to let your other, you know, 100,000 existing customers know that you have this new app and they should buy it because it's cool. Um, so you would go into Uber Deck and you have this nice splash screen or announcement or whatever of your new app and uh, you would set up a campaign where you say, I, I would like this image with this, uh, we have a brand new app, please click here to download it. Uh, and I would like it sent to uh, these three of my existing apps. And uh, so you click on, on which apps you want it to be sent to and you upload the image and then you schedule it for when you want it to run. And you could schedule a window or you could say start now and end whenever I say it should end and other, otherwise keep going forever. And uh, your existing app customers, when they log in, if, that's the, if they're running one of your apps that's supposed to receive that campaign, they'll receive that campaign um, in the background, and they won't immediately show until um, I, it depends on how you integrated the Uber Deck SDK into your iOS app. But at some point during a screen transition or uh, at startup app or whenever is best suitable for your specific app, when you say, if you have a campaign to show, please show it now, Uber Deck will display that campaign. Or it'll give you the details of the campaign so you could you could format it uh, to display it to the user as best um, for your app. And then, um, so that campaign goes out to um, as many of the active users of your existing apps that are out there right now. And you get the stats on that in the back end. So you can see how many of your app users received that campaign, how many clicked on it. So that's what I meant by campaigns. It's pretty much a marketing term. It doesn't have anything to do with the technical issues. 
Scotty, can I ask some technical questions? Please? You certainly can, John. I'll try not so, to embarrass myself. No, so I mean, I'm guessing that you can you can use little snippets of HTML to to prepare your campaign, similar to to email marketing systems, or no? Right now, it's just yeah. pure image or text. And so, and and then there's a link. So the link could be any arbitrary link that that your app might handle, or that would go out to to load in the app store or to open That's up. Right. It could be an iTunes link, or it could be right. a regular like a, a survey monkey survey or whatever. Yeah, mm. that's arbitrary. And there's a lot of that, things we want to add eventually. That I mean, this thing's been out for like a week. Ah, so, okay. So there's a lot of things that had to be cut. Uh, just for for the solvies that I needed to get it out the door already. Sure. It's been, it's been for a year, right? Uh, and and then it's so, but it sounds like it's got some type of polling mechanism. Is that right? That you it's running in the in the background? Yeah, it's not. Uh, initially, we didn't want to do push. So if we didn't want to do push, I mean, eventually we might want to add push. If I mean, if the customers want it. But initially, the idea was we didn't want to add push because. Um, um, it didn't add anything to the value of what we're trying to achieve, and um, we didn't want the developers to have the additional dependency, and we didn't want them to go through the additional steps of setting up the push certificates. So we just want to be able to like drop the UberDeck library into your code and be done with it. So because of that, there's no push at the onset. So if you don't have push, technically you got to do polling, but it's not really uh, the sort of high uh, demand. Type of uh, type of a situation where you've got to do polling in order to get weather updates or, or news feed or something like that. So, while the first beta version sort of had uh, smart polling in there, uh, uh, we we took that out to where now it's um, if you ask for a campaign and you have a cash campaign, you'll get a cash campaign with no wait time. Otherwise, uh, the the app will go in the background and it'll grab new campaigns and it'll cache them for later use or for current use if you're still willing to show it after the two second delay or whatever it is. So it's not actually draining anything. It's not it's not pulling um, if you don't if you don't want anything from it. Sure. And then how you know it's been out for a week, but you've been using it for a while and you have this long mm-hmm. experience. What are the best practices for? Getting people to to want to do this. I mean, you you know, you have your your first app run experience. You have you know, some people let the app run a little bit, and then up comes a panel saying, "Hey, would you like to to keep in touch? Would you like to rate us?" What 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 have you seen is the the best time and 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 most you know auspicious occasion to to ask people to for their permission to to do this type of thing? Um, it really depends on the app. Uh, of course, but generally it follows the same guidelines as when you would ask a person to rate your app with one of those mm. rate, please rate us pop-ups. So you would um, wait you know, a couple of days from the initial startup. You would probably wait um, a couple of days between, uh, I mean the library will show you when the last uh, campaign was displayed. So uh, you would probably wait a couple of days uh, since the Last campaign was displayed, and then on a on a, a more um, a logistical basis, you'd probably do it on your um, sort of uh, the the screen that that's a stable state screen. So if you say if if your app is a contact app, and you have a dialog box that pops up to allow your user to add a contact, that would not probably be a good place. To show a new campaign or a new pop-up because you know they're doing something, so stable state, whatever your you know your uh, table view screen is or or something like that. But you know, I, I in my in my own apps I stay away from unload, uh, I stay away from um, 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 exits, and uh, I, I I 
typically put about three or five days of uh, of um, wait time between ads and about three days after release, after initial install. And never after submitting a crash report request. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Please like us. <laughs> We're sorry about this one. Why don't you try another one? <laughs> Okay, so Andre, just talk us through a little bit. Okay, so I'm interested in this now. I would like to um, uh, you know, have, a, have a look at doing it. How, how do I get this working in my app? What do I do? So you, you sign up for an account. account is free. There's no monthly subscriptions right now. We're going to add monthlies later, but right now it's per campaign. Um, so you could have an account and you could have the code in your app and you're not being charged a penny until you decide to send a campaign. So uh, you download the SDK, and the SDK comes with um, a .a file, so uh, a, a static lib, um, which you just drop into your uh, iOS uh, Xcode project, and a bunch of header files, uh, which you just drop them in as well, and uh, full documentation with explanations and an API reference, and a sample project. The sample project is, is uh, uh, spec'd out to just be able to open it in Xcode and just hit run and it'll run an emulator or on a device with no configuration required. And what that sample project does is it connects to a special sample account, like a demo account, and it, it has a button and it just says, give me a campaign. And you click that button and it shows you the various types of sample campaigns that you'll be able to use in your own apps. And then you could either uh, use the template given in that sample project to integrate Uberdeck into your own app or you could just uh, go off of the API documentation and, and uh, sort of do a custom integration. Um, since we just launched, we're kind of offering free integrations as well. So if you're really interested in in doing this and you have a fairly complex, maybe you have an OpenGL game or something that's not really uh, like a, a regular set of GUI controls, then we'll uh, we'll help you with the integration if you send an email to support at uberdeck.com. Um, but um, the way the API is configured is designed is that uh, if you don't want to do any work and you just want to drop the code into your iOS app and all you have to do is, is sort of call the uh, alloc init and uh, initialize the Uberdeck library and you're done. And then whenever you're comfortable displaying a new campaign in your app, you ask the Uberdeck library to give me a campaign and that's it. And the one will be displayed at that point, whether it's a, a screen transition or whatever's best for your app. Um, but if you're comfortable with doing a little bit more uh, custom integration or you, know, you want to do something special, you could uh, pretty much take the reins of the entire thing and, and handle, uh, by default, when a campaign comes in, there are default handlers built in. So when a campaign comes in, Uberdeck will ask your code, um, I have a campaign ready. Do you, do you want me to display it or not? You could say, no, now it's not the right time. Or you could say, sure, give it to me. So if you say, I'll take a campaign to display, then uh, you have a choice of either letting Uberdeck handle it for you or you could do it uh, on your own. If you decide to let Uberdeck handle it for you and if it's a text campaign, then uh, the library will show a nice pop-up. It'll handle the dismissals automatically. It'll handle the uh, URL if there's any URL associated with your campaign. It'll handle the URL opens in a Safari for you. And if it's an image campaign, it does the same thing. And it looks good on whatever device resolution you happen to running on, Retina or non-Retina, iPad mini, iPad, whatever. Um, but if you say, you know, I really have this custom uh, UI and the regular sort of ios -y dialog boxes are not going to cut it for me, then you, you could say, I'm going to ignore all of these default Uberdeck handlers and I'm going to handle the campaign myself 
and you have access to all the text of the campaign and the image, the UI image of the campaign, and uh, any URL uh, that came with the campaign, and you could do whatever you want with it. You could ignore it. You could uh, show it in a, in a pop-up of your own style. You could just log it for later, whatever you want. If you choose to ignore it, uh, the campaign will be cached, and then later on, whenever um, you're ready for a campaign, you say, would that give me a campaign? It'll show you a cached one, as long as it's still valid and hasn't been stopped. I mean, you have full control over what the campaign is doing from the back end, from uberdeck.com. That's sort of the point. So you don't have to recompile and release a new app every time you want to sort of show a new um, new campaign or upsell something to your existing customers. So you could just integrate that into your app. It's not draining the battery. It's not pulling the network. It's not heavy. It's not doing anything. It's just it's just a .a file that's 50K that's sitting there for you. And when you need to send a campaign, you just log into uberdeck.com and you say, you know, you could tell your existing 100,000 customers that, hey, I got this new thing and uh, send them a link to the iTunes store with this new app of yours and you're going to have a, a, a much better than average release day than you otherwise would. Okay, so I guess the next question people are going to ask is how much is this going to cost me? Um, Alright, so let me just pull up. It's uberdeck.com slash pricing. It's going to be clickety-clackety on my um, DOS keyboard. Uh, so up to 50,000 recipients is 10 bucks. So, that, 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 that seems pretty reasonable to me. So, yeah, yeah you, if you've got 50,000 users, you can send them a message. Um, I guess, you know, that is comparative, yeah. pretty comparative to, I mean, this is a business question, actually. I mean, did you use some things like Campaign Monitor and MailChimp who will charge, you know, a pay-as-you-go email rate? You, is that how you're basing your pricing? You're seeing this is just like email campaigns, so it's you know, uh, a fraction no, of a they're, penny? They're, they're much more expensive, uh, than than this because we're 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 talking on orders of millions of app users, hundreds of thousands of app users, um, a, 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 an iOS developer who uh, will have uh, you know uh, a living wage of a hundred thousand dollars a year or something could have a fairly popular app. It could have you know, five million downloads or something. So you want to be able to reach those customers and paying something like a penny per recipient is just absurd. It's too much. So we have up to 50,000 recipients for 10 bucks. There's also a free option that if you want to just send an occasional text campaign that says, uh, you know, if you have a game, you might send a level hint or something like that uh, to up to 15,000 recipients. That's a free option. So you don't need to, to pay anything for that. And then we go all the way up to um, uh, $300 per campaign for up to 2.5 million recipients. So this is sort of, um, we, we, struggled with pricing for a while and this is one of those things where uh, the, the the reality of the mobile marketplace is is wreaking havoc with uh, the sort of business model that I like to have with Uberdeck where it's agnostic to the platform that it's targeting because if you're saying that I want to send this campaign to X number of people now uh, if you have a paid app and, and you have a thousand users of the paid app and they paid you a dollar, then you made a thousand dollars out of it. You have a certain value uh, out of those users for a paid app. If you have a, a free app and you have a thousand users out of that free app, um, uh, it's, it's almost a rounding error. There's like orders, two orders of magnitude difference in, in, in the same amount of value that you get from 
uh, a free app as you get from a paid app. So a paid app uh, w where you could only have a thousand customers would give you a certain amount of, of revenue. Uh, and in a free uh, space, you would need to have a hundred thousand customers from ads on the, or, or IAPs or something for the same amount of revenue. So because of that, we were very sensitive to say, well, what are the what what should the caps be? You know, at ten dollars or thirty nine dollars for for a campaign, and um, we even tried to price this thing based on on number of apps instead of number of recipients, and maybe number of days that a campaign runs for instead of number of recipients. But in the end, um, as a business model, because you need to keep your pricing simple, and you can't have you know order uh, tables and tables of of ifs and thens on your pricing page, we just decided to say we're good, this is going to be these are going to be the caps and these are going to be the prices and it's for a cap number of recipients with unlimited apps, unlimited number of campaigns per month. And we'll see where it goes from here. If, if, um, if somebody tells us this is, this pricing isn't working for us, then we'll adjust it. There's custom pricing, of course, if you need more than 2.5 million recipients and Mazel Tov if you have more than 2.5 million recipients. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, it's been a week, um, so far so good, but, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not um, a huge corporation that can't be flexible because a customer asks for something, we'll change it. I mean, to me, the pricing looks, I mean, I, I use Campaign Monitor for email, I have done. Um, you know, as you say, in comparison to email, this is really cheap. And yet, as you say, probably more effective because um, you're talking to people. Equally, I guess, are you charged, does a recipient count, I guess, by someone when they display that campaign is that is that count as a recipient or as a recipient if it gets cached or it gets requested how does that work on the whole charging front recipient is when uh the uh, app receives the campaign um uh, we try to deliver good um statistics in the back end to say well this person clicked on this campaign or this person viewed this campaign but in reality um with a mobile app usage being what it is, if, if somebody loads your app, uses it for 30 seconds, they would have downloaded a campaign in the background, but they might not look at it until four days later. So so the, the charges per delivery of the campaign, um, because uh, there's no guarantee that uh, even, even though the customer might look at that campaign, there's no guarantee that they'll have an open internet connection or the statistic will come back with the fact that they have looked at the campaign or they have clicked on the campaign. So the clicks and, and views are fairly accurate in the back end. But of course, it, 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 technically, it, there's a dependency there that that app will connect a second time around to deliver those statistics. That sounds reasonable. I mean, it's no different to email. You pay to send it, and whether it actually gets there or anyone reads it is a different question. <laughs> right. I, I think there's a major benefit here that that you know your app users are right there using your app when they're getting this thing, as opposed to somewhere in the inbox. Okay, uh, we're coming towards the end of the time that we've got allotted for the show. Uh, John, um, before I begin a wrap up, is there any more questions you want to ask? No, I mean, I, 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 I have to say, I'm really curious. This seems like a no-brainer thing to to try, and I, 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 I wish you all the success with it. And I think it's a, you know, it's something that that I had considered rolling my own just for just for nothing else. Me, I'll say hi. There's a new version of the app, um, and then I, I kind of killed that project because of of uh, 
should not be necessary in some future redacted version of of an I, of, of iOS. But you know, the ability to add these marketing messages, way cool. And, and Andre, is there is there some area of this app that we've not asked about, and you're sat there thinking? Oh, come on, you idiots. Ask me about this. No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, we've been using, before it was called Uberdeck, before it was anything, it was sort of part of our BlackBerry library arsenal that got sent out with every single app we released. And sort of this functionality is why we were um, uh, able to you know, rise up to uh, a fair level of success with, with the mobile apps and sustained it. For, since we integrated it into our Android and iOS apps. So. Well, I, I want to wish you all the best with it as well. I think it's um, great. If people are interested in a little bit more of the, the journey of Uberdeck, then they should go and listen to uh, some back issues of your podcast, Bootstrapped, uh, which yep. they find at bootstrapped.fm. Is that That's correct? That's right, yeah. That's uh, where, yes, um, when Andre said, um, you know, there's been some... Uh, a lot of thinking about pricing. Oh yes, you should go listen to those. <laughs> it's uh, been a been a, a wild journey there. Well, I wish you all the best with this. Uh, just tell people, remind people of where they can check out Uberdeck, um, where they can follow you on Twitter, or look at any other thing that you might wish they go and look at. Uh, sure. So Uberdeck is at Uberdeck, uh, U-B-E-R-D-E-C-K dot com, and um, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I guess. You could just go to andrebutov.com and all the, everything is there if you need to reach me. Excellent. Well, thank you for being a guest on the show, Andre. It's been a, been a pleasure to have you on. And um, maybe we need to get you back in uh, six months or so and just see how it's all going. Yeah, if I'm still up and running, I'll be back. <laughs> well, even if you're not up and running, maybe we should get back and find out why. <laughs> or, or, or you're back on Wall Street writing software to crash the global economy again. Ah. Uh, uh, worst place ever. <laughs> yeah. You you need to go uh, listen to Bootstrap as well, John, if you want to know uh, Andre's real opinion of Wall Street. Um, okay, John, just to remind people who you are. I'm John Fox. You can follow me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum, also on app.net. Uh, you can find out about my product, MemoryMiner, at MemoryMiner.com, and check out the new project I've been working on at Findry, Findry.com. Thanks, John. It's been good to speak to you again. My name is Scotty. You can follow me on Twitter as MacDevNet, on ADN as Scotty. Uh, check out the stuff we're doing with this podcast and some videos at iDeveloper.co. This has been episode 91. Thanks to our sponsor, Invasive Code. Hopefully get to see some of you at um, uh, Objective C Cologne, uh, although there'll be another show before then. Um, I think that's a wrap. So uh, until next time, you all take care. Thank you.